Hi, this is Violet Luca. I'm the digital editor of Film Comet Magazine, and today we're going to be discussing the results of our year-end critics poll. And with me today are Amy Taubin, uh, Nick Rapold, and Nick Pinkerton. Just looking at the list, starting off, um, last year there were three non-English language uh, films in the top ten, and this year there are six. And this is the second year that there's been in the entire time that we've been doing the poll, that there's been an African film in the top 10, which is Timbuktu at number six. Can we talk maybe a little bit about, you know, um, why this change is happening? Uh, is it sort of an opening up of what types of films are getting distributed that people are seeing, or is it just coincidence? It's totally random. <laughs> you know? Just like it's totally random. Some years there are a lot of good films. Some years there aren't. I don't think it means anything about opening up. I do think that what, where was it, what Gavin wrote in his introduction on the website really reflects on what the polls are, that the magazine itself treats films across the whole spectrum. Um, it isn't, you know, talking to one narrow kind of art film. It isn't talking to mainstream films. It, it's got every kind of film, and therefore it has every kind of readership. And people just pick the best of the particular kind of film they're interested in. One thing to, you know, identify three of these movies as U.S. movies, but, for example, number three on the list, Mad Max Fury Road, shot in Africa by an Australian with U.S. money, Timbuktu, of course, shot in Africa by an African director with uh, Sophie Pila producing and mostly French money, Carol, a uh, movie with Cincinnati, Ohio, subbing for New York City, being made with French and British and U.S. and Canadian money, so... These definitions are more than a little fluid. Uh, but, Nick, almost every movie made has multinational financing. Every movie made in Hollywood has multinational financing because the foreign market is the only market that matters for them. Art films have been having multinational financing since the beginning. It's just that they aren't Euro-putting films anymore. They're better than that. It's also interesting that of, of the U.S. films or, you know, Hollywood-style films like Mad Max, Mad Max actually didn't perform as well internationally as one might expect for a movie like that. It actually made less money worldwide than Inside Out uh, did. Um, I, I guess it's a movie I wish more people had enjoyed. Yeah, well, it doesn't have major stars, and that's yeah. what the international market is about. Yeah. It's great, though. <laughs> Speaking about trends, there's only one film on this list, Spotlight, that is, you know, one of the wave of based on a true story films that have, have been coming out of Hollywood and also are sort of now getting into the independent realm. Can we talk a little bit about this, this shift towards things that are maybe a little bit more um, nonfiction? Yeah, I mean, well, it was interesting when we were putting together the essential films supplement that at a certain point I was like, can we have one film that's not based on a true story? <laughs> is it actually possible that a, a film that's under consideration that is literally being you know, likely to be recognized, that there's some other <laughs> hook than the fact mm -hmm. that it, it was connected to, and it was, it was strange just how many. And then you look at this list, um, and it, yeah, it's a it's a bit it's a bit less um, reliant on, on that. I, I really I don't know how that's become. I, I, I don't know. Is it have to do with marketing? I guess it's not necessarily uh, an interesting question. But uh, I mean, one thing that struck me, I mean, talking about documentary makes me think about you know experimentation because of uh, hi hybrids and, and things like that. And one thing that struck me about the list is that. It's 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 an interesting mix of there of, of a lot of films that are really offering you some extremity of experience mm -hmm. um, here. Um, I mean, Mad Max I think qualifies. Arabian Nights is just like a, a 
endurance tests, some for <laughs> some, you know, more more for others than for others. Unless you leave. Unless you, <laughs> <laughs> you always there's always a door that's open, uh, according to the fire code. Um, spotlight's literally unwatchable, so that's, so that's an endurance <laughs> no. test. There. Spotlight <laughs> wouldn't have been. Uh, that's the other thing about mm-hmm. these lists. It's uh, they happen much too early. Because Spotlight wouldn't have been here. What would have been here is the big short. But no one had seen the big short when we voted. No, that's always... And the regret... I mean, I can't tell you how much I regret not having the big short on any of my lists. Well, say more about the film. And I I guess what are its strengths versus um, the approach that Tom McCarthy uses? Well, Tom McCarthy can't direct his way out of a paper bag. (laughs) I mean, this is... This is what we used it's to true. call a television movie, but it, television movies are better these days. It's like you put the actors there, they say the lines, you put the lights on, and you get them to talk very loud. <laughs> um, I think it's a terrible film. Um, <laughs> but, but, and I was really embarrassed for the actors. I was so embarrassed for them. The thing is, it has a subject that people are very moved by. People care about the horror that went on in the Catholic Church. And they really, really respond to that film. It isn't a good film, but it is a film that people respond to. I I think it it speaks profoundly to the difference that uh, quote-unquote important subject matter makes because this comes out the same year as... uh, Tom McCarthy's uh, The Cobbler, <laughs> starring Adam Sandler. Uh, I suffered, which I suffered through. <laughs> Very, it was, it's like, it is a, a legitimately like yeah. painful movie. And it's not as though Tom McCarthy, after finishing The Cobbler, took genius pills and became a great director <laughs> and made Spotlight. Um, I mean, it, it, it to me is just an extraordinary uh, illustration of the degree to which uh, the importance of subject matter can, even in a poll like this, uh, kind of skew the reception of a movie or inflate the the, uh, language with which which a movie is greeted. Mm. Well, if I can offer a slightly dissenting opinion about Spotlight, (laughs) not that we have to (laughs) keep the spotlight on Spotlight, but what about the view which which I kind of held that the plain style is, you know, on purpose in that it's like, here are journalists at mm-hmm. work. It's not supposed to be, you know, it's not supposed to be glamorous. Um, it's it's more of an ensemble than, say, you know, all the president's men, which is not at all in the same league, but still. <laughs> um, but that that plainness and that the, it, the focus is more on their doggedness than on on on, on them. I don't know, framing them a certain way. Or I, I don't know. They're acting over the top. <laughs> they no one has told them anything about what they might be doing in a scene, what kind of place there is, what kind of relationships, what kind of past. They come in and they yell their lines. And they <laughs> they act like this is very important. It's gutty. It's called gutty acting. Well, if we could switch to talking about another cartoon. Um, we Can we speak <laughs> about uh, Inside Out? Um, this is, you know... Pixar's uh, yearly appearance or whenever they seem to have a film come out, it inevitably ends up on the our, our critics' poll. It was really, um, for people who did attend Cannes, a lot of people really responded to it. A lot of people said it was a standout, which is strange. Um, I, mean, I, I thought it was unequivocally excellent. I had a response, which I have maybe one, two, three times a year while watching a movie, which is within the first 15 minutes i see that it is sort of outlined that you know what is what one has thought so often but never you know properly articulated has has expressed a thing that uh, one has frequently thought but never really been able to put into words and uh, i don't think it particularly makes any glaring false steps uh from that point on i mean you can goof on the fact that there's uh you know uh rather mawkish uh, death scene for a character called Bing Bong, but <laughs> I mean, I was quite moved by it, uh, and I mean, I see no real difference between that and the effect that, uh, say, uh, Drop Dead Fred had on me as a young man, so <laughs> I completely own, 
you know the my response to uh, the death of Bing Bong, and <laughs> I will I will ride for Inside Out as long as needs be. I, I liked it too, I, and I, I don't. But you know, sometimes I can't tell. It's like one movie I actually went to see that wasn't a screening, so I went to see <laughs> it with a, a paying audience, including yeah. me. Um, and that w- I was all around me. You know, uh, just everyone's responding to it, and I, you know, when I got out of my own head for a second, I, I noticed that. And um, but yeah, I, I, I liked it as well. Uh, I can't be as eloquent as you about Bing Bong, unfortunately, <laughs> but, but I did, I did like it. Do you feel like it's a step forward for what the Pixar factory is doing, or? I, I don't know. I, Pixar gets enough ink somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I failed to see literally the good and figuratively, dinosaur. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, I failed to see the Good Dinosaur. I started uh, Sean the Sheep movie, but uh, it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. I think it's not going to shake the world to its foundations. No, no, I don't think so. I like the other Pixar, the Good Dinosaur. The Dinosaur. Oh, the di- yeah, yeah, the Good Good Dinosaur. dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's lovely. I think they're both lovely, and people need something lovely, and it's yeah. too bad once there are human beings on the screen that that gets more difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, on that, I wonder if we – because I, I guess, yeah, Spotlight, um, the perform- performances were a problem. And I mean, I'd, I'd be interested in hearing what, what people thought, what, what were their favorites in terms of performances among these, mm-hmm. especially since performance and acting can mean something so different across these different yeah. um, movies. Yeah, I mean, uh, though not ranking among the top ten, I think one of the key performances of the year is Ventura and Horse Money. That movie doesn't exist yeah. without his ineffable presence, and that's certainly worlds apart from something like uh, Carol, but that to me is a totally essential performance. Yeah. Well, Tangerine doesn't exist without... You know, the, it's Boy, leads either. Boy, that'd be either. too bad, wouldn't it? <laughs> Nick just raised the mean bar. Like, he just threw down in terms of being mean. Can you match? <laughs> um, no, he, he was just saying that uh, I think uh, that was a pan. That's, you're not a fan of tantrine. Horse money wouldn't exist without Ventura. Tangerine wouldn't exist without. Yes and no. I mean, I think they're great, and mm-hmm. I think it's great. And it's lucky Wesley isn't here because he would have decked you. <laughs> um, and he's Jack. And he has yeah. a yes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think he's a wonderful director, and he could have found other actresses to be in Tangerine. Yeah. Horse Money is something else. It's a film that's built around that particular person. I have no use for it, but it is built around that particular <laughs> person. Well, uh, Ken Jones had the great line on Horse Money, which I'm extremely irked that he got to first, where he uh, called Ventura to Pedro Costa what Francis Ford is to John Ford. And I'll never forget him. Forgive him for getting that analogy before me. <laughs> I think the best performance of the year, like up there, is Mark Rylance in Bridge of Spies. Bridge of Spies could not exist without Mark Rylance. Um, I have very weird feelings about it being <laughs> placed twentieth because of a kind of movie, and that's a movie based on a true story. Uh, the idea that Spotlight could be in eighth place and Bridge of Spies is in 20th place. Because of its kind, it's a great movie. Mm. It's not a kind of filmmaking that I care about. But it is, at doing it, it is great. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a very elegant movie, yeah. just from yeah. a purely structural perspective and the architectonics of it are really pristine. And mm-hmm. I think part of what is so interesting about it and what Mark Rylance brings to it, and I'm certainly not the first to make this point, is that he's the sort of Cohen aspect of the, he, the Cohen brothers aspect in a Spielberg movie, and that gives it some sort of tensile weirdness <laughs> that adds something beyond the, the mere elegance of form. I like it tremendously, but it is perhaps uh, not the most in vogue sort of filmmaking. It's pr- it'd probably be frustrating to learn if, if I recall, it was kind of close between twenty and twenty-one. So, 
I think it was 21. We should not say that. <laughs> <laughs> what was 21? I don't remember. I honestly don't know. Well, for me, I feel like um, if we're going to talk about performance, we should definitely talk about Clouds of Sils Maria, which is really, I think out of all of these movies, I've seen that one the most because it is really, I mean, um, Kristen Stewart is fantastic and should no longer ever be considered a joke or her name should never even be abbreviated. And I, <laughs> um, and then of course, Juliette Binoche. Um, this is, you know, really her movie and what it's saying and how it's shot and the complexities of the text is just like, I mean, I, I love, love, love this movie, mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah, oddly enough, it should have been Juliette Binoche's movie, but I don't think it is. I think it's Kristen Stewart's movie yeah. and I think it's Kristen Stewart's movie because I think Juliette Binoche is treated badly by the director. I think he doesn't, it's not that he doesn't like the actress, he doesn't like the character. Right. And she, I don't think I've ever seen her look worse on the screen. Because uh, of the boycott? It's <laughs> just the angles, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like she is being... The movie is at her expense, mm. and I think that's partly why she didn't get noticed in any of the critics' polls. Kristen Stewart won every single critics' poll for supporting actress, but no, she was never, never mentioned. Mm. Um, but I mean, she, she sort of, I mean, that sort of replicates the thesis of the play, or the, mm -hmm. the story itself, exactly. <laughs> which is uh, unfortunate. But I, th I mean, I read... Um, there was a really lovely piece on reverse shot by someone I can't remember now uh, arguing how it's really Juliette Binoche's film. Again, I, th I think it's nice to see an actress of her level be depicted in that, w you know, to see maybe a not glamorous side of her, but also to see a not glamorous side of Kristen Stewart where um, Michael Schrager said this really nice in his review for us where Kristen Stewart's like invisible because she's wearing glasses. Like it's the old joke where it's like, oh, the hot chick is invisible because she's wearing her glasses. And then when she takes them off, she's like a great beauty. But we don't have to talk. We don't have to keep talking about this closet. Of Sils Maria. I'm sorry. I don't have to run them into the ground. I guess we could switch over to documentary in Jackson Heights. Frederick Wiseman um, really, if we're, if we're going to talk about performances and a sense of <laughs> people, I, that's, a great place to continue <laughs> yeah i mean it's like he makes a collage of the kind of all the daily gestures and moments uh in, you know in finding the find found performances uh, i mean a lot of the attention for that one goes to the uh, taxi taxi cab <laughs> class which is a, is a highlight but um <clears throat> i mean i i love the duet scene the unintentional <laughs> duet between the two like um representatives the two like sec no, uh, what are they? they're like people manning the f manning the phone lines for the representative and they're each like fielding some long long <laughs> inquiry from some constituent and and it's he just he the way he edits it and, he, and switches between them it's almost like it's rising and falling between one and the other <laughs> and you get to watch their face as they're reacting and, and i think that's just for me like one of the great like you know natural moments um, on, on for this year it's a testament to like his style of documentary basically or a part of it <laughs> yeah sure not to be reductive but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't <laughs> no i didn't say uh -oh. <laughs> shame <You'll be> ejected <laughs> but uh, i mean speaking of docs i mean it's I guess it's a, it's i mean between that and the book of silence i think well arabian nights sort of too arabian nights is yeah significant documentary hybrid components <laughs> Thank you for giving it a label. Classic chimera. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bird documentary in that, or bird. What is Chaffinches. Chaffinches. Jinx. <laughs> That's one of my favorite mini documentaries. Is yeah. Chaffinches. I mean, Arabian Nights, uh, to my mind, is clearly just an extraordinary piece of work and one that I've had a terrific, I, I, I love how it's constantly sort of undoing itself, frustrating itself, the somewhat baffling illogic behind the sequencing of <laughs> it, uh, 
Well, it's also in the in the third one, the the geography gets completely messed up where it's like Bahia and the Middle East, like even where it's, it's taking geography place, is, is so funny. Nuts. It's history yeah. is complete bupkis. Yeah. Uh, at one point, it refers to the years when Baghdad was a coastal city. Yes. Which point of <laughs> fact, it never was. Um, a couple million years ago, it was. Yeah. <laughs> a coastal city that drew many Portuguese uh, immigrants at one point. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, all of all of these little larks and chaffinches uh, are tremendously pleasurable to me, and the degree to which he does not repeat, to my mind, the considerable successes of Taboo, but in many ways is working against his own talent in ways that are sometimes, as I say, frustrating, but always, I think, creatively fruitful, makes it such a rich and pleasurable work for me, uh, so much more so than something that is very elegantly done, but basically inert, uh, like, for example, Number 8, Phoenix. Um, mm. So Arabian Nights is uh, a movie very i don't know calculated to uh give me give me pleasure even though it does rub one the wrong way at times and seems very deliberately to be sort of working with one hand behind it behind its back so you want to see a sequel basically <laughs> well <laughs> I mean, my, my one complaint is it as it's as it's structured or fails to be structured it almost seems like it should just be open-ended and continue in perpetuity yeah. It sort of lends itself to that, and I mean, Gomez is good as said. <laughs> the structure, the structure is determined by the money running out. Yeah, this is where I wish I had video. <laughs> <laughs> Care to comment? It's totally baffling, and I will just say what James Quant said in his ten best list on art form, where clearly he put it in number ten, but only one scene from it, so he could say that it was the most ridiculously overrated movie of the year. <laughs> I think it's terrible. <laughs> I think it's condescending. I think it's careless. I think it's like this guy woke up one day and said, oh, people are poor in Portugal. How will I ever make a movie that isn't really like a documentary because no one goes to see documentaries about poor people, so I'll make it fanciful. Oh, what kind of story really wowed people? The Arabian Nights. I just think this is the most shallow, ugly, stupid movie. Uh, and clearly, if there weren't a cult around this director, it would have vanished in one minute. So, Did, Were you similarly allergic to the Our Beloved Month of August? I like Our Beloved Month of August. Mm. I don't think it's great, but I like it, and I like Taboo, yeah. you know? Um, but this was... Too rambly. Too fancy. There was nothing on the screen. I don't, I don't know how a movie that has been seen by maybe a few thousand people at best can be the most overrated movie of the year. Well, it's surprising. Well, because you're sitting here and overrating it, and it gets on 10 best lists, and yeah. look where it is on this list. Yeah. <laughs> and many people voted in this poll, yeah. and I presume you didn't all sit around like in the movie election and... Tours away <laughs> or uh, in carry and <laughs> and line up the votes the way you no, wanted them. <laughs> we, we, we are not officially audited, but we s hold ourselves to the high standards of Price Waterhouse or whatever. Well, time will vindicate me, but. <laughs> <laughs> time will make fools of us all, I think. <laughs> when he makes the next one, you'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were speaking of earlier about. Um, extremes given recent events in the world I s or I started thinking about this but is there a point to you know sort of pushing let's say violence to the extreme we don't have any real gore fests on here do well, we well i mean mad max is a is a, gore a rather fest. unpleasant stoning in timbuktu yeah somehow uh, love didn't make the list there i confess to yeah cooking the numbers there, <laughs> it actually was number two so <laughs> <laughs> thought it'd look weird um, well i mean i don't know if we want to wade into uh, uh, son of soul but that's the, i mean the violence is kept off screen i guess like that would be the most violent movie <laughs> yeah but i mean say more i mean is it is it 
Nemes is reacting to he's reacting to the way Holocaust films have been shot in the past. He's also coming from a very high pedigree, let's say, from Belatar. I mean, you I know you quite like the film. I like it. I mean, I don't know if I quite quite like it. I mean, there are clear problems with, with like I don't know. I, I agree with the objections about how like he t- it's like the, the the camp is designed for a camera crew to cover every area in it um, in the allotted time, and and then there's something a little uh, too um, um, I don't know uh, pat about the uh, you know his search. Uh, I I think he didn't think as much through the screenplay as he did through everything else. Mm. Um, but I I do I I mean I guess I do. Um, I mean, one thing that I, I I admire about it is I think it if we think about it like a labor theory of value I think it makes it difficult <laughs> what wasn't always difficult to watch mm. um, and uh, in a way that's different um, not different from previous films because other films had this style um, but I think he did more than just take a I don't know <laughs> take a Darden tag along and you know never move outside of his frame and apply it to the subject matter I think. I think the thought that went into it is that it's restoring a certain difficulty to apprehending everything, yeah. uh, which is the illusion a lot of movies uh, give you. Um, but by no means a perfect film, far from it, I think. Well, I mean, as we're talking about uh, these sort of subjective dunk movies, <laughs> I would uh, like to say a few words for the superlative Hard to Be a God, which yes. I'm a little baffled to find uh, not having cracked the upper ranks because it seems to me just a self-evidently major piece of work and I think it was received as such I mean odd as it is for a movie that's on the plus side of three hours is more or less narratively incomprehensible (laughs) extremely gross extremely (laughs) gross swimming in viscera snot rockets and (laughs) muck uh it it packed them in <laughs> <laughs> for the thousands of pe- the several the few thousand people that yeah. care and uh, couldn't get enough <laughs> you know now in the i don't know we're in the 20th year of the death of cinema or something like that but this was something that seemed to be recognized as whatever that means a uniquely cinematic experience and part of it maybe is that endurance test quality that yeah. it has the fact that you know, one can't pause it and go make a sandwich. Uh, I did. I watched it at home. I totally cheated. <laughs> I, re- I rewatched at home because it's, it, I mean, this is one of the cases where I found the the writing around the movie very far removed from the actual experience <laughs> of watching the movie. No, everyone like w- looked on Wikipedia Yeah, everybody or just hit the press kit. It's completely. total cheat, total yeah, cheat. Like, you're telling me you had any idea what was going <laughs> on <laughs> through this movie. And I mean, I think that could be applied uh, to some degree to the assassin as well. Like, But I think this, uh, um, I mean, when if you see the assassin once and you see it again, and you, by the third time, the story is really simple, and I don't think that's only because someone who is Chinese sat down and said, oh, this is a classic story from the Tang Dynasty, and it's very simple. Um, I think that the movie becomes clear. It's just that you're so wowed by wanting to look at it that you basically don't want to keep track of who's the woman in the mask. I, think that's <laughs> <And> <laughs> I had that experience. <laughs> that's always the the bittersweet part of uh, working for Film Comet for me is, you know, getting all this news from Cannes and a lot of movies that I would prefer to know nothing about. And like with The Assassin, that's a film where it's like, if you go into it even knowing sort of what it's about, your experience is completely different than someone who's like, oh, so it's about the woman, even the sense that it's about the woman in the mask. You know, like it's, it's just such a, it's such a sensor, it's a real, sensory experience and it really questions plot you know it's like they're not plot developments they're clues or even it's like well what does this even have to do with this and you know or you could just surrender yourself to it and just be like i'm experiencing this thing this extremely beautiful thing shuki said this wonderful thing at can in the press conference um she said because someone asked if the movie was largely her 
her character's point of view, and she said, no more so than the trees <laughs> or the clouds or yeah. the mist because they've seen it all. When she does face off against the other woman in the mask, there's this great shot where they see each other and then it cuts to maybe like a 30 second shot of the sun against the sky and there are these birch trees and it's like the nature is really austere and then they're so austere but also wild that they're you know they're there are you know they're a royal court fighting amongst each other in this really clumsy brutal brutish way but i had i hadn't realized because i don't watch it's been a long time since I've been watching Chinese sword fighting movies or ghost stories. Yeah. And this is a ghost story, too. Yeah. Um, but what is the one we showed in the film festival, the great classic? Oh, Touch uh, of Zen. Touch of Zen. And the beginning of Touch of Zen is exactly like the beginning of The Assassin. It's just that Touch of Zen is shot in this very kind of bald, straightforward way. But what happens, the setup, for the movie is exactly the same. So I think this is much more a genre movie than we can see it as. Yeah. You know, I, I think the genre underpinnings of this movie in terms of its structure are yeah. very strong. Yeah. Well, I mean, one big point that was made in the, I the interview uh, we ran was, um, yeah, that, I mean, it's, it's, it rests upon like, hundreds of years of stories <laughs> like this so it's 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 always kind of funny that yeah coming to it without having that it's you know it's you don't know that tradition well and yeah. here's a an interesting point when digging around for trends is that you have a top three which you can say really are all movies that if not straight no chaser genre pieces and Mad Max Fury Road is nothing if not that are very tied to genre traditions Carol melodrama of course assassin the wuxia sword fighting picture and that i would imagine is a somewhat unusual circumstance and you should have black cat on the top 10 as well but <laughs> i was that was going to be a question later but <laughs> where's black hat <laughs> where is your sadness i guess the final question is where does black hat play? <laughs> well no i would also i would add to that that there are three films where um female protagonists or where women are not just sort of off to the side they are very active um in a way that is a lot more complicated than the Be bechdel test or whatever dumb yeah without going into too much detail in any other voting situations that i've found myself this year people are having no trouble finding standout actress performances and there's yeah. nothing really that i mean not to say that there weren't fine leading male performances but nothing that's like Maybe. head and shoulders above no. because either there's a really good male performance in a movie that's just so so mm -hmm. or yeah it, it, that was the one thing that struck me from all the voting all the places i voted that the men are in ensemble casts, so there's no lead among them like uh the big short those are great performances but it's an ensemble, but just great parts for women. Yeah, people grow rather taciturn when the subject of male <laughs> performances <laughs> comes up this year. Crisis of masculinity. Oh. <laughs> and well, this is why I am a big uh, believer in the men's rights activist movement. <laughs> and I'd like to talk a little about that. <laughs> that, that might bring us back to where's Black Hat. Um, <laughs> Nick, you have something? <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, speaking of gender, and I guess we sort you know we sort of have to address this. Um, the one film directed by a woman, which you wrote a very lovely feature on, Amy, Diary of a Teenage Girl. Do you feel that the presence of women in front of the camera is sort of maybe a maybe not a corrective, but sort of a way of acknowledging women? This is the year when there's been you know there's sort of an active effort to correct the gender imbalance, you know, for below the line, behind the camera, positions for women. And this, the, the top, you know, four are very much, you know, female driven. So is that, like I said, not a corrective, but sort of showing that yes, women do have a place in film, in art house film, at least. 
If it goes on for another year, I would say it, there is something positive going on, but it, it might be totally random. Mm. Um, too soon to say. I mean, there are other kinds of authorship. Yeah. There really are, and you can't... It's a pity, I think, that a few other uh, female-directed movies aren't on here. I think probably No Home Movie got a bit lost in the shuffle. Because but No Home Movie hasn't come out. It hasn't come out, but it and does have distribution. It no, it wasn't eligible. Yeah, I, d I don't think it had that It's not eligible. eligible. It sort of falls in the interstices, I suppose. No. Yeah. It's odd that well, it's not on the without distribution, though. Yeah. It's not, it has distribution, and but it's coming out yeah. next year. Oh, okay. Oh, it didn't <laughs> qualify for either list. Yeah, right, right, it's right. one of those cute black holes. I mean, I feel like the wonders that sort of, ha or at least that for me. That got lost. That, yeah, because they really sort of, I feel like, dropped I mean, the I ball. I thought Jessica Hausner's Amor Fu was pretty superb as well. Mm -hmm. but, uh that being said, uh, the best spin that you can put on it is that, at least in the case of uh, these top four movies, the lead actresses at least are, should be credited with some kind of co-authorship of the mm -hmm. movie. But, I mean, they very much are symbiotic, creative exercises, I think, in every one of these cases. Yeah. What does that mean? Well, I mean... I mean, the, the women in Thelma and Louise, those two actresses actually were co-authors of the movie because um, they sat down before the movie ever happened and the writer and the director and the two actresses put it together. But the assassin? Hosha Shen is going around just dissing his actress all the time, saying, I could only make those scenes, the fight scenes, that long because they didn't really know how to do it. So I, ha I had to keep working around her and working around the, the other actors. Benefits, but the film benefits from that. That may be true, but she's not. I mean, it, that's really a film where she is a mannequin. She's great. She has great presence, but she's not in any sense a co-author. But I mean, her, but, you're, do you, but what you just said, she, sh her performance affected the form of the film and like how like it certainly did but he he might have made another movie but he chose her yeah. so he didn't choose to make that other movie oh, but true. i wouldn't go so far as to say she is a co-author of that film this is a case where very often his actors are co-authors but not in this film at all mm -hmm. um really i couldn't yeah, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Nick? Well, I'm actually just scanning the list thinking about movies that we haven't really uh, talked a bit about. Um, and I guess uh, uh, The Look of Silence and Anomalisa to pick two completely different oh, <laughs> movies yeah. are two that we haven't really um, discussed much. Um, I guess I've 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 been I've been interested in the really split opinions on Anomalisa. I don't know if everyone's seen it yet. I mean, I I, I liked it. I, I think the um, he's not a very likable character uh, <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it's a, aware of that. I, I think it's kind of like a it's yeah it's just kind of a dark, um, pitiful comedy <laughs> uh, as, as a movie. But one thing I really liked about it is this dynamic of not being sure whether someone's going crazy or is 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 in love and whether they have that choice um, and how that plays out on either side the problem being of course that the woman is not very well written well <laughs> no one no one is <laughs> except for him yeah but that's I, the point i really think it's a terrible movie <laughs> i really hated it <laughs> i just think it's terrible yeah. i mean it's like he had this incredibly boring midlife crisis <laughs> script. Yes. If it hadn't been this perfectly silly, ugly animation, no one would have even, it wouldn't have ever gone into production. Yeah. But he, for some reason, wanted to do this terribly boring, cliched midlife crisis script, and he thought, oh, we could do it. <laughs> and it's like so, it's like shockingly juvenile. Like yeah. the dialogue, and I mean, I feel like the like the formal conceits of it end up playing against any possible emotion because it's like you really need an actor 
to bring life or like some sort of facial expression to these really bad lines and you don't get that you know it's just it's tom it's three actors carrying this entire movie which again it's like i every time i want to sort of criticize it, i'm like well maybe that's the point but then fundamentally when i was watching it, i was like i want this to be over so badly <laughs> it's like i'm terribly, i don't i hate everything yeah. about this me too and i even, i didn't... even the dream was terrible yeah like the that was like i was like oh boy it's gonna get charlie kaufman in here and then it was just like no not I even that interesting. I didn't realize until after that it started as a staged reading. Yeah. So yeah. it's a play. Yeah. And it still is a play. Oh, yeah. Except there are no actors. They're just voices in this really <laughs> ugly animation. Yeah, well, it's, such a sh- it's such a shame because it's like, it's like that's the thing about animation is that you can go anywhere and then instead you just are in a hotel. The entire time. Well, I thought that was funny. I know it's like it's part of the I, again. That's I, what I mean. Like anytime I, I try to criticize, I'm like, but I know that he's like doing that. Well, but I I just thought it, I mean like every ten minutes I'd like get a little chuckle because because I was like it's fifty minutes in and they haven't left the hotel. <laughs> I just found that like a funny running joke. That's that's <laughs> a bit analogous to the Hateful Eight as well, which is in yeah. glorious seventy millimeter, and here's some people hanging out in a roadside <laughs> inn. <laughs> but it's not even that. It's not even trying to be that smart, I don't think. Yeah? Huh? I think it has a strong concept. I, I Or rather, it, it was designed with a strong concept. The actual experience of looking at it was very unpleasurable for me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's certainly attempting to do something. Mm. Are we talking about Anomalies? Oh, Hateful Eight. But it's not on the list, so I don't know why we're even why would we bother? frittering yeah. away our time. <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna live forever we can't we can't waste our time why would that. we bother alienating them too <laughs> <laughs> but well, i mean i was glad to see the look of silence on the list because i sort of was worried that it would get lost after the act of killing yeah. or that people who objected to the act of killing wouldn't see the look of silence um al- although in his way he, he puts a little something in the look of silence i think that people that would also annoy people <laughs> the act of killing i think that the way he um, uh, shoots the parents is is probably it almost felt like calculated that he he wasn't just going to do something straightforward that was easy to take he was going to make it a little difficult for it again yeah. no i i didn't object to that i mean i hated the first film yeah. i was so relieved with this film and then i just thought why didn't he wait and put them together yeah, and, yeah. you know this would have been a masterpiece if he had waited and put them together yeah. What do you feel like that movie, that combined film, would be like? I mean, if we... It might rise to the heights of an Arabian Nights trilogy. Oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> what is documentary, anyway? Um, oh. <laughs> oh. Wait a minute. <laughs> Howha. We haven't talked about Howha. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Another movie that was spoiled for me by reading about it a lot beforehand. Um, One of the worst movies. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Amy, I think we're together for once. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I knew knew we'd find one. (laughs) Well, let's. Well, not everyone go at once. Why did you (laughs) not like it? Uh, I mean, I didn't particularly object to watching Vigo cross impressive landscapes at length, but I feel as it became ostensibly more oblique in its, let's call it, last act, it actually seemed very on the nose to me with this sort of Ethan Edwards figure disappearing into vaginal crevasses, and it it just seemed a bit obvious, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that's the, th- that, I mean, that was sort of, again, my problem with Anomalisa, where it's like, where it started to get, like, where it's like, I'm going to do this. I'm really going to make you think. And I'm like, no, no, yeah, I saw it coming. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's trying, like, it's trying to juke you and, you know, <laughs> just where it's going. Yes. I couldn't understand it, Can People came out, people who I respect a great deal, mm-hmm. just, this is a radiant movie. I mean, I th- it, there was just nothing there. It was just perfectly silly. It looks really and, great. You know? It's pretty. <laughs> It's pretty for a while, and then 
there's nothing going on. There's no I don't terribly mind when it's just a documentary about a guy on a horse negotiating his way through landscapes. But he'd yeah. never wear those clothes. So it, so <laughs> right away, it's not a documentary about a guy on <laughs> the horse. Right away, you, <coughs> see, you can see in your head early in the morning, how early did he ha have to get there to do costume hair and makeup? <laughs> it's not a documentary. Do we, do we have any Howha fans? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm a Vigo fan, but that's something else. Yeah. Handsome, handsome fellow. Cut <laughs> glass jaw. He <laughs> speaks so many languages. He's so yeah. smart. Yeah, he what a dream. <laughs> Super smart, but artistic, too. Oh, that's the best. He's <laughs> <laughs> turning into a sleepover. I now. know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess now. Now that we've all aired our grievances, maybe this is the time to say, what makes you sad? What is not on here that you really feel should be on here? Ooh. We got BH right here, black yeah, hat. Got, yeah, black hat, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> What's the appeal? What's Sell the it appeal? to me. Elevator pitch. Why? <laughs> <laughs> black hat sells itself. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was at least part of the idea of how it was assembled, at least, that it would sell itself yeah. internationally, I guess. I, I mean, there is no no more feared and loathsome genre than the web thriller. <laughs> <laughs> there has never been a single movie involving the internet made that I would say even broaches the watchable. And Social I network. Yeah. A social network, yeah, but it's more about people. Really. <laughs> it's about people. Whereas people. Black Hat feels like it feels like the internet to me. And I, I man's always been really wonderful with tech and not really not not making it front and center in the way that he tells stories, but the way that it operates in our lives. Mm -hmm. Just the the sort of quaxial you know, cables pulling everything together. Uh, it's just there. And th for that reason, his movies never date on the tech front in the way that a movie like, for example, I Love It, but you watch, you watch the second Mission Impossible today and they're like busting out zip disks. <laughs> <laughs> like they're these incredible new things. <laughs> and it dates a bit and it's a bit silly. Whereas if you watch Manhunter, the tech is, of course, it belongs to 1986, but the way it's perfectly integrated into the story, mm. uh, it, it just doesn't feel silly that way. And I don't know, Black Hat just felt like 2015. It functions as a genre movie and also uh, goes about as far into expressionistic smear as you can while still functioning on that level. So for all of these reasons... I like Black Hat a lot. Okay. <laughs> Nick? I don't know that there was too much very distinctive about my list. Um, I mean, I really loved uh, Field Niggas. Me too. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. I didn't understand. Oh, f oh Field Niggas, the uh, movie, the, the one that was shot in Harlem. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I put that on my, on my top ten, I think. Me too. So, I mean, I think it's just wasn't seen widely enough to, to rank on here, but I mean, I would love to see, so I, I can't like bemoan that it's not here, but that for me was a top 10. Yeah. Um, just, th just in a movie where I was just like, I mean, on the edge of my seat, just watching it. And, and I felt he was doing something genuinely new about how he combined audio and video. Yeah. Um, uh, and it looked great and just had. Well, it replicates the rhythm. feeling of like being really messed up. Like it's just like, yeah. so, it's so, I'm without revealing too much about myself personally. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a very, it's like a very tight, really, you know, perfect synergy to me of like subject matter and form. Just, it was so beautiful to watch. And I could, I could listen to the director read the phone book. Like, I just loved <laughs> hearing him like, what are you doing? And like coming behind, I can't even do his voice now. Well, he has that great line about like, I, I'm not really here. This is, this body's just to hold a camera. Oh my God, yes. Like or like when the guy, this guy is just going on, and he's like explaining like what the problem with the police is in Spanish. He's like, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, but he lets him like just go on. 
<laughs> it was so great. But. I mean, it was a funny year for me because mm-hmm. it's not, oh, obviously, I would have been upset if the assassin wasn't on the list or Carol wasn't on the list yeah. or Timbuktu. But um, I don't have a film that I'm wildly in love with this year that no one else is wildly in love with and so it isn't on list. I just don't. Um, I think that the way the list is structured so that it's features, it isn't experimental work because three on all my written lists was the Dorsky Hilo retrospective and there was no way to put it on this list. Um, So that's a little bothersome. Um, And, you know, my art form list had the nick. So, uh, you know, you can put anything that's (laughs) moving image. So I'm beginning to think that limiting it to feature films is not really reflective of how people look at lens-baked work today. Mm. I think that's absolutely true. And I think if we were to open it up, uh, the Smokers Allowed episode of Nathan for You is clearly one of the best pieces of work in any medium. It is really, like, it's, I mean, it's funny because I've really, I've been watching Nathan for You since season one, and I, like, try to explain to people why it's brilliant. But that episode, I think, is really really one of the it's hands down the best thing (laughs) (laughs) but then i suppose once you get away from features it just becomes like write in elections or something like that well you could have a whole category of other 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 experiences other experiences (laughs) top 10 other experiences do that (laughs) stuff i smoked on the corner of Lexington and 125th experience. <laughs> no, it still would have to be lens based. And who's going to care now that there's VR and we're going to be able to put big things like in Strange Days floating down <laughs> Fifth <laughs> Avenue above yeah. us? Jim Hoberman had a Mets game in 1986 on his Village Voice Top 10. <laughs> <laughs> a precedent I've always argued for. <laughs> well, I think that's a acknowledging that we're in the wrong game and we need to change our approach. That's an excellent place to stop. Thank you all for coming. Thank you. uh, you. I'll see you at the movies.